Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast on a Friday. This is our Browns-Rams preview podcast. It's me, it's Mary Kay, it's Ashley. We're going to have Lance Rise joining us a little bit later. Tyler Shoemaker is going to join us a little bit later. If you hear, this is our daily Airbnb update. If you hear water running in the background, it is just, we're actually sitting outside by the pool because, no joke, our our friend from the athletic Zach Jackson and then Chris Easterling are up in our Airbnb and they're watching the Maslin Hoban <laughs> state championship game right now here in LA. Uh, and then they're going to go to a UCLA basketball game. So, um, so we decided to go elsewhere to record this podcast. So we're actually sitting poolside to do this. Okay. Ashley, how are you? I'm missing you guys. I have such FOMO, which you both know I get like this. Like, I feel so out of the loop. I feel like I've missed 18,000 jokes, a million stories. So I'm just excited to get out there on Saturday and get caught back up. Feel so out of the loop. Well, we are going to catch you back up very quickly. (laughs) And of course, I, I, you know, we think of you like every single thing that we do. We're like, oh, what would Ashley say? What would Ashley would love this? You know, so you are missed. And well, we can't great. wait. To, we can't wait until you get out here on Saturday. I know. Okay. I truly feel like I'm like a listener, though, like right now or a reader, <laughs> because like I'm I'm watching and listening to and reading everything you guys are writing. So I feel like I'm experiencing what you, our dear listeners, experience like every day. Hope oh. it's good. <laughs> it is. It's great. They're so lucky. Is my big takeaway. They are so lucky that we, you two. And I'll throw myself in there, too, are collectively so good at our jobs. <laughs> Thank you. Just patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> okay, so let's get to it. Uh, normal preview here. We are going to start with our three things that we are watching on Sunday when the Browns take on the Rams. So, Mary Kay, why don't you start us off? Well, lo and behold, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about a quarterback again. Uh, this time, it's number four for the season, Joe Flacco. Uh, by the time anybody's listening to this, he probably will have been named the starting quarterback. I'm sure that's probably going to happen on Friday when we meet out here with Kevin Stefanski. We didn't have him today, so we didn't get any announcement today. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson, for the second day, did not practice. Not only did he not practice today, he wasn't even outside today. Yesterday, I was taking little videos of him, you know, moving around and throwing the ball and different things. He wasn't even outside today. So, you know, that's kind of, in my mind, going in the wrong direction. And uh, I just don't think it would be wise to even think about starting him if he is cleared tomorrow because he hasn't practiced all week. So 
it looks like all systems Joe Flacco. And, uh, you know, the Browns are going to be adjusting to a pocket passer. Very big guy, 6'6", 245, big arm. Amari Cooper said today his his passes look like poetry in motion. And uh, so we'll have to see how this goes. Ashley, did you think that here in the year of our Lord, 2023, you'd be traveling to Los Angeles to watch Joe Flacco versus Matthew Stafford? Like, let alone to hear Amari Cooper say something that Joe Flacco is doing at the age of 38 looks like poetry in motion. I mean, it's bananas. It truly is. If you would have told me this a month ago, I would have been like, what are you talking about that Joe Flacco is going to come and play for the Browns? But I'm 100% like with Mary Kay. I think it would be like nonsensical at this point to try to throw Dorian Thompson Robinson out there. And I know Mary Kay, like you wrote this in your column the other day, but I think like it's, it's one thing to throw a guy like Joe Flacco out there without like much time to gel with this team or whatever. Like he's, he's done this forever, right? Like he knows how to go out there and do this and successfully play in a football game because he's been in, you know, pretty adverse situations in the past. DTR is a rookie. So asking him to go out there against the Rams without that week of practice when like he just is stepping into that starter role again, that's a big ask. That's a bigger ask for him, I think, to do than it is for Joe Flacco, who just got here like two weeks ago to do, given the concussion, given the mispractices and all of that. Okay, so let's have this discussion, Mary Kay. What is a reasonable expectation for Joe Flacco on Sunday if he is, in fact, the starting quarterback? Here's what he needs to do, and I've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks about the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, and that is you have to play a clean game. You cannot be turning the ball over. You cannot get strip sacked. Uh, you know, and that might not be easy with Joe because he hasn't played the game of football since January of last year when he played, we started the season finale for the Jets against the Miami Dolphins. They lost 11 to six in that game. And um, he actually has not thrown a touchdown pass since week two last year for the Jets against the Cleveland Browns in that improbable 31 30 come from behind victory in which he threw two touchdown passes in the final 82 seconds to just crush the Cleveland Browns. Um, a reasonable expectation is that he doesn't turn the ball over. That's number one. Number two is that he gets the ball deep to Amari Cooper at least two times uh, that they either connect on those passes, those deep balls, or they draw a flag. That's what has to happen. They need to, two big chunk plays that lead to touchdowns. That has been their formula this year when they have won games uh, is that they get those big, huge chunk plays or those big, big flags. And that's what they're going to need to happen. Yeah. Ashley, what would, I mean, what to you makes, you know, I'm not looking for Joe to go out there and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. You know, I mean, that ship has sailed, I think in his first game since January, I would think that's a pretty unfair expectation, but uh, you know, he might throw a pick. He might, you know, whatever, get sacked a few times, but I'm with Mary Kay. If he can just open up the passing game and create some sort of deep threat, and that'll help the running game. That'll help Jerome Ford find room to run, Kareem Hunt, Pierre Strong. That'll help open up the running game a little bit too. I think they're really missing that right now. So I think to me, I don't want to put like numbers on it. I just want to see him open up the field a little bit, get Amari Cooper involved, and that'll get a lot of other things working in this offense. 
I think that's it for me, just coupled with mitigating those turnovers as much as possible. Like we said, we know about the picks last year, right? And he's probably going to take some sacks. But I really do think like what we saw in Denver was this offense just playing, you know, really sloppy. And like, I think Jill Batonio said those turnovers kind of became momentum killers. So I do know like it is a possibility he throws picks, but ideally for me, it's like, yeah, open up that passing. Like if you have to pick between the two, like you tell me he's going to throw one pick and open up the passing game versus no picks and not looking downfield as much. I still would prefer the first option, but I do like really think this is not a game that you can go and turn the ball over three times like they did against Denver or even let it get on the ground five times because they recovered two of the balls that they fumbled. So I think for me, it's opening up the passing game and limiting those turnovers as much as possible to kind of get things back on track here. Okay, Ashley, what are you watching in this game? Well, surprise on my end, because I'm watching something related to the Browns defense. And I do think it was interesting today to hear Jim Schwartz talk on the Zoom, because of course he has a long history with Matthew Stafford going back to when he was the head coach in Detroit. So these are two guys who know each other pretty well. And I think you look at Stafford's season so far this year, he's completing only like 60% of his passes. Nothing is super super eye-popping there in terms of like his yardage or or anything like that. Um, I know against the Cardinals, four TDs, one interception for him, uh, nine interceptions for the year. So like, I definitely think there's some takeaway opportunities for this defense, but I also think the flip side of that is, you know, he's a guy who can improvise a little bit. He's familiar with Jim Schwartz defenses and what they look like. So I'm curious to see, can this defense kind of, again, get things back on track, especially on the ground, which isn't directly related to Stafford, um, against an opponent that, in theory, is familiar with this scheme, maybe a bit more than other quarterbacks. So, Mary Kay, some people are going to hear this when I talk to Lance. I I mentioned that this is the second straight week, and Matthew Stafford, of course, a very different quarterback than Russell Wilson, but this is the second week where the Browns are playing a veteran quarterback who's playing pretty well and has a brilliant play caller. Um, able to sort of take advantage of and, and try and exploit Jim Schwartz's defense. So I think this is a very, very interesting matchup and a very good chance, like Ashley was saying, to see if this defense can kind of right itself after a week when certainly that game wasn't entirely on them, but they also just weren't good enough across the board. No, not at all. And as you mentioned, it's really interesting to not only face veteran quarterbacks who are very savvy and they really know what they're doing and they can get themselves out of adversity and they can slip out of pressure and do all those kinds of things. Um, On top of that, you have, as you mentioned, uh, some really creative mastermind play callers uh, who are going to be doing uh, some very, very interesting things and finding holes and weaknesses. And, you know, the Browns defense has showed, shown some, cracks over the past couple of weeks. And Sean McVay and his staff will find those just like Sean Payton found those. And not only that, we're talking about uh, a game in which the Browns two best defensive players, we're not entirely certain they are going to be playing. Okay. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. We don't know if Miles Garrett is for sure going to play this game. And we don't know if Denzel Ward is going to play this game. When I first wrote about Denzel Ward, I wrote about it in such a way that he might miss multiple games. And that's still very possible. He did not practice again today for the second straight day. 
Uh, so he could be missing. And they missed him last last week. We saw that, uh, you know, against um, against. Why am I forgetting Dem- his name? Oh, no, the, the receiver. Um, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Yes, I've moved on. Um, but yes, they, they did miss him against Cortland Sutton. And, uh, you know, and they could miss him again this week. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be a factor. Miles, you know, I, I put a video out today on Twitter and it's also on one of our YouTube shorts where he's doing push-ups on the exercise ball. And I thought that looked pretty good for him to be able to use his left arm like that. Uh, I thought that was very, very encouraging. And we know Miles, but uh, when we talked to Jim Schwartz today, you know, he, I thought it was very interesting when he said, you know, we'll basically take whatever he's got. You know, if it's, you know, a part-time role, that's cool. If it's a full-time role, we'll do that too. And so I think they're all kind of bracing themselves for the fact that, you know, Miles might not be able to play 96% of the snaps. So I think this is going to be something uh, that, that, you know, the Browns are going to have to be dealing with. And I think it's something that Sean McVay is definitely going to try to exploit. Yeah. And Ashley, I think, so, so obviously Miles is a big part of this, but that Denzel Ward injury, especially with the way Greg Newsom played last week and, and Jim Schwartz said it today, like Greg Newsom didn't play well. He knows he has to play better. Um, you know, certainly trust MJ on the outside, but you do start to get into your depth a little bit with Mike Ford or, um, you know, AJ Green got called up off the practice squad last week to play there. So you start to get into your depth. And if Newsom struggles again on the outside, against these receivers who are really talented. This is a really talented receiving core. I think this is going to be a really difficult test for this secondary if Denzel is unable to play. I think so too. I mean, last week in Denver, like I thought Greg really struggled whenever they got him in space, whenever they ran those crossing routes. I know he didn't want to talk too much about it yesterday to you guys. It looked like from the transcript, but I just think it was like so obvious how much they missed Denzel Ward. And it's like good. It seems like that Greg has kind of settled into the slot. But man, like Denzel Ward has truly been like one of the best outside corners in the league this year. Like I don't care what the PFF grades say. Like for some reason, I know I thought his grades were like way off this year, like in a way that it just doesn't make sense to me. And that's why sometimes we say to take what's on PFF with a grain of salt. But I definitely think like, hey, the options there to exploit it, like, you know, Cooper Cup, for example, right? Like he hasn't put up those typical eye-popping numbers that people have gotten used to seeing from him, but he's been playing like hurt and kind of banged up. But that's still a guy that if you're going to get him in space, like he's going to take advantage. And Stafford, I think, is really great at putting these guys in a position to get yards after the catch. And we saw a lot of mistakes like with tackles and stuff like that against Denver too. Like that's a big test, I think, for this secondary alone, just in that aspect. Okay. I got to come up with something to watch here, I guess, huh? (laughs) Okay. So we've talked a little bit about the injuries, right? Let's kind of keep going down that road um, here with things affected by injuries and um, Amari Cooper, obviously dealing with a rib injury. He's going to play his x-rays were negative. Um, But we saw last year that Amari Cooper, when he did play hurt, it affected him. Now that was a very different injury, but um, you know, look, he's not going to want to take a shot to those ribs. It, you know, he's not going to want to, and, and I'm sure the Broncos will not the Broncos. Oh my God, we're a mess. I'm sure the Rams <laughs> will, will try to, you know, they're not going to be shy about hitting those ribs if, if they get an opportunity to do it. So I think this is one of those games where they've got to get this receiving core figured out a little bit. 
Elijah Moore has started to make some catches. Said Tillman, um, I don't know that I'd call that a breakout game necessarily, but he was productive and he played really well. And that would have been one of the stories of the game had the Browns uh, ended up winning that game in Denver. Um, I think this is a really important game, Mary Kay, for this pass catching core to step up and support Amari Cooper. You know, we talked about getting him involved downfield, but he's going to need some help, especially if he's banged up, if he can't quite be the player that he normally is. They need said Tillman, Elijah Moore, uh, you know, date will include David Njoku in this. We'll include the backs out of the backfield, uh, Harry, everybody. They need all their pass catchers to step up and give Amari Cooper a little bit, a little bit of support if he struggles out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, the interesting thing about it is I'm very curious to see who has instant natural chemistry with Joe Flacco, because every time you put a different quarterback in there, you know, somebody else has an opportunity to shine a little bit. And again, when DTR went in there, it was said Tillman that suddenly came alive. You know, when, when Deshaun is in there, it's Amari Cooper. Uh, So different players have different opportunities with different quarterbacks. Also very curious to see what Joe Flacco might pull out of Elijah Moore, because Elijah really hasn't had his, what I would call breakout game yet. You know, he really just hasn't had that opportunity to really come alive. So maybe Joe will be able to connect with him in a way that some of the others haven't quite yet. So very curious to see about that. But we did talk to Amari Cooper today, and he had on some protection on his side where he suffered the rib injury and took that hit. And you know uh, that the Rams are going to be trying to make him feel that again. Um, And, you know, he's not necessarily, at least not today, able to function in the way that he normally would. uh, Because when he reaches up or tries to bend or twist, it's going to hurt like heck. Um, But we know that Amari is a gamer. We know he's going to get out there. He's going to give the Browns everything that he's got. That's just who he is and how he rolls. And, uh, you know, so I think he has the potential to have a good game. Uh, but you're right. Some some of these other guys have got to step up. And what they have to do, and I asked Joe Flacco about this today, um, you know, they've got to hang on to the football. They have to make it a point to really hang on. And he talked today about the fact that sometimes when things aren't going well on offense, players have a tendency to press. And I, so I, I asked him, you know, because of all your experience, do you think you'll be able to kind of calm that down a bit? And he said, yes, he thinks that he can be that, you know, that voice of, of reason in the huddle. He thinks that, you know, that he can be that guy where they look to and say, we know you're going to get the job done. And, you know, I kind of think so too. You know, it, you exude confidence when you've taken a team to the Super Bowl and won it. There's just something about you, you know, when you have started 180 football games. And Ashley, you know, going back to Elijah Moore, I mean, Joe and, and Elijah know each other a little bit. They played. So, you know, he said he told us today he was texting Elijah when he was driving in from Philly. So um, maybe, maybe this is what gets Elijah going a, a little. Yeah, I mean, that would be good because it still just feels like they've never really found a way to utilize him in a way that's really truly tangibly materialized. Like in the preseason, it looked great in some of those gadget plays and, and all of that stuff. But it. I think just wasn't sustainable for a number of reasons, also mainly because of his size. And like, do you want to be running him like a running back? And I mean, my gosh, if there was ever a season where like one of those receivers who could kind of do both things like the Debo Samuel type of deal, 
it would have been this one when they're down Nick Chubb and he, you know, has pretty much altogether stopped getting carries for the most part in this offense. So I do think some of that familiarity might be good. You know, I know Elijah's talked about, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and not really letting it, that frustration kind of seep in. Uh, but it's hard, you know, especially when he's, he's still a young ish receiver. He did have a really great rookie year. Um, I think that potentially this familiarity with Flacco could go a long way. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys, this is going to be if Joe Flacco starts the fourth different quarterback that these guys have caught passes from this year. And I think even like veteran pass catchers, but especially young pass catchers, that can start to take a toll after a while. So I think that familiarity might be good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh Lance Risen is going to join us on the other side to preview the Rams. Then Tyler Shoemaker is going to join uh, to talk a little bit, talk some gambling angles from this game and across the NFL. Um, he, we even talk a little uh, women's basketball gambling at the very end. So a little bit of everything on this pod. And then uh, Ashley and Mary Kay are going to rejoin me and we will make our picks for this game. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Orange Brown Talk podcast continuing here. We are previewing the Rams Sunday Browns Rams at SoFi Stadium. And as we do every Friday, we welcome on Lance Reisland from freezing cold Ohio. Lance, how are you? Dan, I'm doing very well. How is sunny LA, my friend? Well, you know, look, it's a little <laughs> chilly down here. I had to wear a hoodie today when I went out and got some coffee. Um, we were standing out waiting for interviews, and I, yeah, it's a little cold. I had to go get a, a sweater and put it on. But, um, you know, so, listen, it's it's been rough out here. It's been yeah, rough. That brutal L.A. weather. I know. It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get to it. Um, Browns Ram, SoFi <clears throat> Stadium, and I wanted to start. Uh, with Matthew Stafford, because obviously he's back. And I want to know what you're seeing. This is the second straight week the Browns are going to be playing a veteran quarterback with an with an elite-level play caller. And I want to know what you're seeing from Matthew Stafford right now. Well, the first thing I see is that, you know, him and Karen Williams are uh, uh, on the same page. But what I really like, if you watch him, you hear it all the time, he throws a catchable football. So every time his guys catch the ball, it's in a good spot for them to run after catch. And you've seen that years with Cooper Cup, but he does it with Puka Nakua. Um, he does it with all those guys. They are, he throws such a catchable football. He's always on time. He's in rhythm. Um, he seems to make, you know, check downs are, are, are part of his, he's not an extra for him. Um, he plays with tremendous confidence. He has tremendous, they're incredible with motion. Uh, he, you know, they do so much, so many different things on offense, and he seems to have control of it all, which is normal for a veteran guy to have control of an offense like this. But they use motion better than anybody in the NFL, uh, in my opinion. And what that motion does, it gives them all kinds of advantages with spacing and things like that. But to do that, you have to have a quarterback that can understand what the motion is supposed to do, and he does. And him and McVeigh, you know, having the veteran, a really good veteran quarterback with a really elite uh, kind of a dynamic play caller makes them very, very good. 
Now, the obvious difference from last week to this week is Matt Stafford is not very mobile. Um, you know, Russ Wilson still has a little bit of that mobility, not quite what it used to be, but we obviously saw him use his legs last week effectively a number of times uh, against the Browns. That's not necessarily something Matthew Stafford can do. So how does he make up for that? Well, like you said, he gets rid of the ball quickly. He's always on time. So he's a, he's a pocket guy. He has better feet than you think. But you're right. What the Browns defense is really struggling with, I'm actually working on something right now, is that they're struggling with the zone run reads. They're struggling with uh, staying connected when a quarterback with good feet is breaking in the pocket. They're not struggling with 10, 10 else. The thing that they'll struggle with this week, they're going to see zone. Um, and they don't do a lot else in the run game. So what that does to me as a coach is, they work on zone, but they're working a lot of pass games. So they they have a, a, a lot of their extended run game are short passes, quick screens, arrows, checkdowns, uh, option routes. They do lots of things that are kind of ba- like I bet you that are runs on McVay's uh, uh, call sheet because they're very efficient. He gets rid of the ball on time. Um, he's never holding it past 2.8. Uh, he scrambles enough. Uh, he's got good enough feet. Uh, he's trying to uh, you know avoid getting hit. But what they really do is they're just really efficient, and they use that motion. They find openings, and they get rid of the football. Uh, and you can just tell they're highly organized, and they rep it, and they rep it, and they rep it, and they're really, really efficient and good at it. So we got to talk about these two receivers. Um, that the the Rams, you know, they they had Cooper Cup already, and then they go out and they get Nakua. <clears throat> Tell me about these two guys. It just seems like they catch at a high volume. Uh, I know Cooper Cup obviously has missed some time, um, so his numbers aren't what they used to be. But these guys just seem to catch, 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 and just put up numbers. Well, the thing that I really think really helps them is Tutu Atwell. So the reason he could take the top off. So when you hear that idea of what the Browns have wanted for a long time, that ability to take the top off, that's what Tutu Atwell does. So he's he's taking the top of the cover. So if it's two high hats, one high hats, he's extending them downfield, which allows those guys to work underneath. And they you again they use motion so well. Both those guys motion all the time. They motion to block. I think what makes them so dynamic is that they're they're fantastic run blockers inside the box, which makes they're not motioning just for pass, which a lot of people do. They're motioning all the time, so it makes them very hard, with the motion. It makes it very hard to jam. Uh, they're very good route runners. Uh, they do a lot of spacing, meaning. Uh, they run good routes, but they're finding open areas. They're more space concept. They're more like uh, almost like the air raid where they're looking for openings and they understand coverage. And they're on the same page with Stafford, which allows them to find openings uh, in zone, in man. Uh, they understand what the route concepts are. They understand where they're supposed to be. They understand if they're the hots. Uh, they're really good on RPOs. And again, they're just football players. They'll block They'll stick their nose in there. They don't care. They'll they don't care if they get two touches or ten touches. Uh, I also think Higby uh, opens them up, so they have a guy in the red zone that can really help. They have Atwell who can take the top off. They have a pretty complete offense and, and with Williams around the ball along with Freeman. So let's spend a little more time on this motion. Uh, we talked about this. We've talked about this with other teams before. Uh, you said in, in the scouting report that you sent us that you think they use motion more than more almost more than anyone in the league. Is that I mean, how much do they use it? You know, Miami is up there, so obviously they're up there. How do they use motion, and how do the Browns kind of combat that? Well, I think the, the way they use motion is that I think they use motion maybe not in percentage-wise of actual motion, but they use it to gain an advantage more than anybody else I've seen. Uh, they're trying. So in the pass game, they're using motion, obviously for the number one, uh, they use the motion. Everybody uses the slow motion to try to get, uh, try to determine coverage. They do that really, really well. Um, they use motion to, they use fast motion for their jets and their uh, fly sweeps and things like that. Um, they use motion to create spacing right away for uh, Stafford to find those extended runs, those little hitch routes, those little arrow routes, the little check downs. So they do it in the pass game for both 
uh, finding out what the coverage is and it's spacing for uh, their routes. So they're spacing that defense horizontally and vertically. And then in the run game, they're trying to gain an advantage uh, with extra blockers from one side to another. Uh, they do really fast motion where it's hard to adjust as a defense. Um, you know, when I face a motion team, the thing that you got to do that the Browns can do is that um, they don't have a, a ton of an advantage athletically on the Browns defense. And what hurts the Browns defense right now um the Rams don't do. So uh, it should be an interesting matchup. And I think the Browns match up pretty well, because even though he's really elite, you know, Stafford's really elite and he will complete some balls against man coverage and they will give up some big plays because that's part of the deal. But the motion and stuff, what you have to do is you have to play base against that and you have to bump stuff because they go too fast. But what the Rams consider is that if you bump from a safety to a, a linebacker, they have an advantage. That's not so much an advantage against the Browns because the Browns' second level runs so well, and that's a Schwartz thing. So uh, you won't see the Browns running with a lot of stuff because they motion so much. They're going to bump stuff. Uh, I think the Browns will be in a lot of nickel. I think the Browns will be have uh, cover guys on the field that can both play the run and um, cover because you can't run with motion as much as they motion. You're going to get caught. So they might occasionally do that, but you're going to see them – uh, bump things. You're going to see them be very vanilla in what they do, and they're going to get after it again. They're going to do what they, even though it's the Rams and they're really good, they're going to do what they do, and um, and, and not be deterred by the motion. They're not worried about the motion. They have their rules, uh, but you're going to see them be very basic and, and say we're better, and I, and I think they are. Okay, I want to I want to <laughs> throw one more thing at you before we get to the Rams defense, and maybe this isn't something you notice, but it's just something I've always been fascinated with with Sean McVay. So I'm just curious if. if this stood out to you or you noticed it at all. And I've seen the Browns sort of mess around with this too, but Sean McVay really likes to play with different tempos. And I'm not just talking like hurry up versus huddling, but I'm talking about breaking the huddle late and getting on the ball um, or, you know, just doing different things and doing it within drives and really keeping a defense off balance, not just with emotions, but with, like I said, we're going to, we're going to huddle, let the play clock run a little bit, and then we're going to run, get on the ball, and snap it before you can really kind of figure out what's going on. Are you seeing him continue to do that stuff? I think that's something he's always been really great at, and I'm fascinated by it because I think that's one of the next evolutions of of offense is just messing with tempos and snaps and, and things like that to kind of keep a defense on its toes. Well, you know, they had – he does so much out of 11 personnel. So he really likes three receivers, one tight end, one back. That's really what he's always been known for. And when you can do that, you keep the same people on the field, kind of what Stefanski does in terms of formation wise, but he does it a little bit differently. So um, he's just constantly making you think he's not allowing you to have that normal. Um, you know, if a team is all fast and all week, you practice all fast. If a team's out of the huddle, you practice out of the huddle. Like you said, he's giving you different tempos within tempos. What, what I mean by that is that he is, like you said, they're going to get out of the fat. They're going to do it normal. They're going to get out of the huddle real fast sometimes. Uh, occasionally, they're going to get run up to the ball, then wait and look over. Um, they're going to go traditional no huddle where they're going to keep the same personnel on the field to keep your same defensive personnel on the field. Uh, he's going to, you're going to see a lot when he has, if he has personnel that he wants on the field, he'll keep, he'll stay in really fast tempo. What that fast tempo will do is he won't make any subs, so the Browns can't sub. Um, he does that very well. I think that's what he's always done the best. He's he's the one that kind of, in my opinion, made that really in vogue a number of years ago. Where we're going to get in these different formations, but we're not going to we're not going to switch guys. So you can't switch guys, and that really hurts the defense, especially with the the eleven personnel and the fact that the receivers will block because they can get into their zone run game. Um, but yeah, he's very innovative. He's very innovative. Um, even if you watch their zone schemes and the things they do. 
Uh, he'll black out and wrap Cooper Cup in, and he'll look Cooper Cup and Akua will be lead blockers like in isolation. So he's very innovative. They're very simple, and they have these little uh, adjustments they do with speed, with tempo, uh, who touches the ball when, formations, uh, tempo within a, a snap. Sometimes they'll try to get the playoff in five seconds. Sometimes they'll run it all the way down. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of method to what he does. Um, and it's, I think the key is he's just trying to keep you off balance and not allow you to make calls and get the personnel you want. He's dictating. It should be a fascinating matchup because that's how Schwartz thinks too. So should be a pretty good, uh, this should be a pretty good matchup. Let's flip it to the other side of the ball and talk about the defensive side. Everybody knows the big name over there, Aaron Donald. Um, tell us, tell me a little bit about that defense and, and sort of how it, how it revolves around him, but also how it's sort of evolved as he's gotten older. Well, I actually think he's a much better run defender than he is a pass defender. He has 12 tackles for a loss. He's still really a good pass rusher, and he causes mayhem. But he takes a lot of risk in the pass game. So he's he gets home sometimes, but he does he does only, things he can only do in terms of where he lines up and things he does. And he ha- you can tell he has free reign up there. But he is really devastating against the run. Uh, he is in the backfield, constantly in the backfield, makes it very, very tough um, to block him. Uh, you know, another guy I like up there, they have Kobe Turner. Had two couple uh, tackles for a loss last week, a couple, um, couple sacks. Uh, these guys are very aggressive. But I tell you what, in terms of their size, the Browns can run right at them, especially with the Browns. The best players, players over plays, the best players on the Browns offense right now are the guards in the center. And they need to remember that when they're running the ball, in my opinion. Um, really like Ernest Jones is a very, very physical linebacker. Also a guy that doesn't cover very well. He's a tackle-to-tackle guy. Um, I love Witherspoon. I liked Witherspoon last year. I think he's the best cover guy. I really liked him last year with the Steelers. It's funny, as you do this for a couple of now, you see these guys bouncing around. I think he's a really good fit for the Rams. They play, they're pretty multiple in what they do, but they play a lot of zone. Uh, they keep things in front. If, he, if they're going to man, he'll be the guy who takes, you know, whoever the best receiver is. But I think he's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good player as well. JJ3 is playing, seems to be playing a lot better in, with, in LA than he did for the Browns. I think his scheme fits him a, a lot better. Um, the guy I really like is Quentin Lake, but he's out, and I'm not sure if he's still out. But um, I really liked him early in the season, and, and I've liked him. He's a good football player, but you know he's had some injury uh, injury update. Defensively, they're pretty solid, but they're not great. You can run right at these guys. Same similar to what last week, but the Browns ran the ball, you know, only five times in their first 10, 15 plays, which was kind of you know I, I was kind of shocked by that. Uh, but the Browns have the advantage inside with a vertical straight ahead run game if that's what they decide to do. I think that's their best advantage. What are you seeing from our old buddy, John Johnson? Obviously, I know he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year, but he's out there for injury. What are you seeing out of him? I think, you know, he just has a really good I, – I thought he was a good fit in Schwartz's defense. I didn't think he was a great fit in a zone, pure, too high shell. Um, he's a better fit when you're doing a bunch of stuff. He has a really good understanding of football. So he understands route combinations, uh, ins and outs. And, and I always say, if, you know, it's very, very simple, even at the high level. If a receiver's going out, somebody's coming in. If there's a guy low, there's a guy high. Now, how they do it is a million different ways, but they're still, he has a very good idea of route combinations. Um, he can cover uh, multiple guys, so he can be a man guy down in the box if needed. He's not a super tackler. He can be the one high safety, which I thought he would be pretty good if he was uh, still with the Browns. He'd be pretty good at that one high safety. I don't think he'd be good down in the box. Um, he seems like he's a really good communicator. So when they're in their zones, and, and like I said, 
there's a, they're doing a ton and they're not sticking in that straight cover two shell. Uh, and I think, you know, that's what he's comfortable in running the show, playing multiple coverages, not being great at anything, but also not being real poor at anything. He can tackle pretty well. He can cover pretty well. He can cover multiple positions. Uh, and he seems like he's having fun. And, and that's, you see great energy out of him uh, when he's on the field. Okay, I got two questions for you. One is a normal one. I have another question for you after this, though. I got to get your pick. That's where we're going to start. Who are you picking in this game? Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, I read it was either you or uh, Mary Kay or Ashley. I don't know who it was last week, but, you know, these injuries are starting to catch up with the Browns, and they've uh, they've been on the road now. So you think about it, they don't have their franchise quarterback, their franchise tailback, both tackles, their top receivers got rib issues. Miles Garrett has a shoulder issue. They they have endured so much. I just don't think they have I don't think the season's lost by any means. I don't. I think Joe Flacco is going to be solid. But I think this is too much to ask back-to-back weeks, not coming home, not being home to practice. You know, all that kind of stuff matters with travel. I think it's going to be close because I think they do match up. I got the I got the um, Rams 24-20. Okay, now my, my next question. You know, every every Wednesday you spring a question on me, and I missed out on it. This week, I, I did listen to the segment, um, so I'm going to ask you a Christmas-themed question now. And oh, this yeah, goes bring back it to our This goes back to our candy corn discussion. It's a very Ooh. simple yes or no. Eggnog. Hard no. Capital. Capital. I'm a hard, hard no on eggnog. Hard no on eggnog. Please tell me you're an eggnog guy, right? <laughs> you and I are very different people, Lance Reisland. We are. We, you know what? That's part of the good banter, though, over the last couple of years, because there's a lot of different, you know, a lot of different energies coming in. No, I, you know what? It's one of those things too. I was like, as I got older, I'm gonna like it. My wife loves it. I'm like, I'm in. Can't I can't? Doesn't do it for me. Not even, not even a little bit. I mean, it's 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 a fantastic drink. It's versatile, right? You can just go Fair. to the store and get it, and your kids can have it. Or you can, you know, make an adult throw style. a little something in there, yeah, and then it's, it's real gotcha. easy to drink. And then Christmas <sighs> Eve gets a little weird, and like <laughs> yeah, it's, the whole nine yards. I gotcha. It's perfect. It's the I, perfect drink. I'll be honest with you. I've tried multiple things with eggnog. I've tried multiple with dinners, with you know, you name it. I just uh, I'm over it. Uh, it will not be in the Ryzen House um, for the next month. I can promise you that. <laughs> All right. Well, I just, I needed to know. I needed to know if there was some like food like, common ground that we have. We're getting closer. We've had a couple. Ground. We're getting closer. We're, we'll, we'll find the common ground. I got a good question for next week. So I had a bunch of fun with Ashley too. I think she, uh, she goes, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this or not, but I want to, I want in. So we had, <laughs> we had a lot of fun with it. It was, it was, it was a good time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad she did. She had to do it. It was implied when I, mm-hmm. when I texted her and said, hey, can you can you handle Lance today? So um, <laughs> that's how we say it. We say, can you handle Lance? No. <laughs> I was going to say, it makes sense. It, I understand. It makes sense. <laughs> All right, Lance. Appreciate the time. Stay warm there in Ohio. Uh, Absol- and I will talk to you next week. Absolutely. Enjoy the weather. Talk to you on Sunday. Orange Brown Talk podcast previewing the Browns and the LA Rams on Sunday at SoFi Stadium. And now we turn our attention to the gambling side of things. We welcome on Tyler Shoemaker uh, to discuss all of that. Tyler, how are you? Good, Dan. How's it going? I'm doing well. All right, let's uh, let's get to it before we get into anything. Let's get the uh, the updated ratings uh, from your index. So who are the top five now as we head into this week? Yeah, the top five uh, look looks like it's staying pretty pretty stagnant stagnant here. And as we get you know later in the season, that's that's to be expected because ratings aren't going to change as much from from week to week as we get more data points on these teams. But my top five right now: the Niners number one, Ravens number two, 
Cowboys number three, Chiefs four, and Bills up to number five. Okay, so no, so no huge surprises in there. Um, generally speaking, um, and, and you touched on this a little bit, but how much movement is there over the last, let's say, month of the season here as we get into this playoff push usually? Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect a ton. Um, and, and part of that, too, is, again, I don't adjust my numbers based on injury. You know, I don't make a, a flat adjustment for injury. Obviously, teams' performance will start to, to change if they have a, a major injury, but I just kind of let that data play itself out. I don't I don't manually adjust that. Um, so th- th- I wouldn't really expect much shifting here here late in the season. I mean, these teams may, may jockey a position or two, but I wouldn't expect a huge rating swing for anyone. Okay, now our favorite part. And I don't know how we don't have a sponsor for this. I don't know. I feel like there should be one in honor of a man who just got fired again, the Hugh Jackson Five. Hugh Jackson Five this week. And again, this this is gonna gonna start to sound redundant too, I think, because we've got the the Patriots at twenty eight, Cardinals, Panthers, Commanders, Giants still holding down the bottom spot. Uh, I mean, there there are some numbers out there that would indicate maybe the Panthers are the worst team, uh, but it, but in my index, I've, I've still got the Giants holding down the Hugh Jackson spot at, at the bottom of the five. <laughs> well, I, w- I will say, speaking of the Panthers, you gave me sage advice last week when I was trying to talk myself into taking the Titans in that survivor pool. It was not fun. It was not, it, you know, the game ended up being a little bit closer than I wanted it to be, but but it did it did work somehow i land i made it through a survivor pool picking the titans and then i come to find out sort of like eight other people in this pool so <laughs> i don't know i thought i had figured something out and it didn't work well i'm glad i'm glad you're still alive at least <laughs> yeah exactly it's just it's a week to week league uh okay let's uh let's get to it uh when you look at this game here between the browns and the rams um kind of a an interesting matchup based on where the browns are of course, and and the Rams still fighting for uh, playoff positioning in the the really bad NFC. They're still alive somehow. Right now, as I'm looking at this on DraftKings, uh, we've got the Rams favored by three and a half and a total of forty. What are you seeing? Yeah, I, I project this as basically a pick 'em. Uh, technically, the I would favor the Browns by about a half point here. Uh, and situationally, you know, we talk about that a lot. The Browns, I, I cannot believe you know, how bad last week was with the Broncos. But I will say in looking at the data this week and just kind of looking at the last like two, three, four weeks, the Broncos actually are kind of surging here late in the season. Their 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 defense, although it's really lowly rated in my numbers because their season long numbers are terrible here, the last few weeks, they've actually been much improved um, as obviously as the Browns found out last week. Um, another thing to note here on this game, I project a total at 42 and a half. Uh, which I think is a little higher than than what oddsmakers have it as well, which has been kind of a common theme here, which is probably just the disconnect between oddsmakers still really, really low on on the Browns as far as scoring, you know, since since the Deshaun Watson injury. And I'm still, again, just relying on what they've actually done on the field. So I'm I'm still projecting an over here. So do you think this line of um, the Rams favored by three and a half, do you think this is, again, another case of maybe an overreaction to the quarterback situation? I think it has to be because even, you know, I've mentioned I've run several formulas to to make sure I, I get the best handle on a game that I can. And even my formula that kind of weighs recent games even uh, more heavily, I still would only make the Rams about a half point favorite. So I still I, I can't get to to the three and a half without just making a manual adjustment for the quarterback. And I, you know, three points 
difference, you know, from that, from my recent formula to what the odds makers have, that makes a little more sense to me if, if you did want to make a manual adjustment at this point. But I mean, the point that I just will continue to hammer home is like the Browns have played so much this year without Deshaun Watson. I just don't know why you would do that at this point. Their numbers, their numbers are reflective of him not playing, in my opinion. So it sounds like if you were going to play a side in this, you would play the Browns. Is that, first of all, would you play a side in this? And secondly, am I reading that right? Yeah, I mean, as as we sit here Thursday morning recording this, there weren't a whole lot of prop options out there. So I actually am. I'm going to go with the Browns plus three and a half as as my best bet uh, this week. Okay. So and and then that total you said you said you feel like that total is low. Yeah, and I, so again, I, the angle I'm going to take with the with the total, I, I do my numbers do project it to go over, but how, the angle I'm going to play on that is I'm going to play the Browns first half team total over seven and a half. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I was I was actually looking at the first half, like you said, since there aren't many props here right now. No, this will this will change as people hear this. Again, you said it. We're recording this Thursday morning, so um, there'll be some things coming up. But yeah, I was looking at the first half. It's got the Rams by two and a half, and the total in the first half nineteen and a half. So um, you're going to take the Browns total. What do you think of that overall total in the first half of nineteen and a half? Yeah, I I mean, I, that's about what I would expect it to be based on what the, the game total is. So when I'm looking at first half bets, um, I like to see if there's any value from, you know, because if you just divide the the what their game team total uh, is, I think their, their team total for the game is like 19 and a half, uh, if I recall correctly. So, you know, if you just divide that by two, you would think it should be the first half should be like nine and a half. So the fact that we're getting a seven and a half here on the first half line, I, I do like, and that, that's just kind of my thought process in whether I'm going to play a, a first half bet or not. So um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If uh, with, with no props out there, I, I guess, is there one that you're kind of watching for to drop? Is there a certain player or a certain, like, you know, whether it's uh, just to throw this out there, like last week we were talking about Amari Cooper. Is that something you would watch for? Is there some sort of prop that, you think might work in this game if it drops at the right number? Uh, unfortunately, no, uh, because again, I, I don't make my own player projections and the sites that I use for player projections only post them once the props are posted. So, you know, so they can kind of compare the line value. So I haven't seen anything out there yet um, that would, that would lead me one way or another. Um, so, you know, just make sure you're following me on Twitter and, and I'll be sure to, to take a look and, and maybe tweet out some props that I like on, on Friday, uh, Friday or Saturday. So, so as you're listening to this, you can play some props if, if you're so inclined. Yeah. And that's over at tissue index. Uh, give him a follow um, to, to see those. Okay. So your favorite bet, favorite NFL bet this week, my favorite bet. This is a team that I'm kicking myself for not betting on Thanksgiving. And that's the Packers. That's a team that my numbers have been relatively high on compared to the market for most of the season. But I feel like at least early in the season, every time I've, I pulled the trigger on them, they let me down and and I lost on them. So I kind of wrote them off a little bit. And then last week on Thanksgiving, my numbers loved them to cover against the the Lions. I didn't play it. And I mean, the Lions, I don't think could have played worse in that game. So uh, I'm the Packers played the, the Chiefs at home uh, in primetime Sunday night. And I'm going to take the Packers plus four against the Chiefs at home. I think I think that's too many points at at home. I project it at uh, Chiefs minus two. So you know we're getting through that that key number of three there. So I, I like the Packers plus four this week. Yeah, and it it looks like you might be able to find value there too because um on DraftKings right now again this is Thursday morning 
So it looks like that's up to Packers plus six. So obviously, if you like Packers plus four, um, oh, you, you know what? That that is some right. places. I I, I, t- I okay. typed it out wrong. It is six six is the line. Okay, I, I just I, I typed it out wrong. I, well, I that's, transferred but that's it wrong even from better my, from my sheet to my document here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Packers six. plus plus six. That that's right. That's right. <laughs> So, but it's funny you bring up the Packers and and not being willing to pull the trigger on that, even though it, it would have made sense to take them against the Lions. There just are certain teams that even if you're doing this from a data-driven perspective, there has to be a level of trust, right? Like there's just certain teams that as you do this throughout a season, they they just break your trust and you can't, even if it makes all the sense in the world, it's hard to to pull that trigger on making that making that bet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything I do is is from a, like you said, a data-driven standpoint, but also, you know, you do kind of have to use your head a little bit. And with the, with the NFL, you know, because there's just so few games every week, like I, you have to be even more selective, you know, because, you know, I'm only going to play on a weekend. I'm only going to play, you know, two or three games. So, you know, if I waste one of those on a team that I don't really feel great about, then, you know, that, that sets me up for a, for a losing weekend potentially. And, and that's not a position I really want to put myself in, you know, with college, sometimes I'll, I'll take more of a risk on some of those teams, you know, some of those like lower level G five teams that I don't know a ton about on the surface, but the numbers indicate it's a good play. I may bet 10 or 15 games on a college Saturday. So, you know, less, less risk, you know, in terms of my betting portfolio uh, compared to the NFL. Okay. What are you staying away from this week? Again, I, the Bengals, I, you know, they, Showed value last week against the Steelers. Um, they're, they're just not – that's a team that I know for sure, like my numbers just are not really right on right now. Um, but I don't – again, I just – in fairness and for the sake of consistency, I just don't make manual adjustments. So I'm, I'm just going to stay away from them for now. Okay. I'm looking through some games here. Um, you mentioned the the Bengals and the Steelers last week. And so I know Arizona is bad. And I know Pittsburgh – is I mean Pittsburgh might win the AFC North somehow. There's just something weird about seeing the Steelers minus five and a half at home that makes me not want to trust them. <laughs> is there is there any reason though that the Steelers wouldn't cover those five and a half points? I project it seven and a half. So okay, you know I'm I'm kind of with you there on on the Steelers from a number standpoint. Uh, you know most of the formulas agree with that. Um, that's a team that's like gosh, though, I feel like every Every game for them, it seems like, or, you know, most of their games are just so close. Like they may win them, but they may win by one or two. Uh, that That's a team, you know, some, we mentioned, you know, just having a feel for some teams. And there are some teams that as a favorite, I, I get a little more nervous than like if the Steelers were underdogs to, you know, I don't just to pick a team, the Niners or something. The, the Steelers as an underdog, I really like. The Steelers as a favorite, you know, laying points, I makes me a little uncomfortable even though the number is is seven and a half. So to answer your question, strictly from a data standpoint, yes, I would be be with you on the Steelers minus five and a half. Okay, here's one more that, that I see that I'm curious about. This Niners-Eagles game, um, the total on it is 47, um, which certainly I could see both these teams putting up some points and, and getting to that. But I could also see this being a, I don't know, 21 to 17 game as well with the way that both of these teams play defense with the way they can both possess the football. Uh, where, where do you have that total at for that game? I am at 47 and a half. So, I mean, I'm, I'm right there. Okay. And even, you know, looking most of the, most of the formulas are, are within a point of, 
of that over under. So I, it's probably a stay away for me. I mean, the lowest one I see here looking at my sheet is uh 45 and a half. Um, but again, not, not really enough. I don't think to, to make me pull the trigger there. Are under still having the success rate that they were early in the year? Are you seeing that trend change? Uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked at the the season long numbers in a couple of weeks now that now that college basketball started and I do men's and women's college basketball on top of NFL and, and college football. I've had to kind of put some of that stuff, uh, that stuff's fallen to the, to the wayside until the off season when I can really dig into it. So I, I know that was the case earlier in the season. I have not, uh, have not checked on that in a couple of weeks. Yeah. It, if you guys hear Tyler only on this podcast every week, you're missing out because he's like the you know, like we always say, he's on Buckeye Talk. Uh, he does a bunch of his own stuff. We'll get to that, of course. Um, and like you said, men's and women's basketball. There's still value in women's basketball, right? Like, oh, yeah. That's still I'm, sort of a little yeah, bit of an oh, untapped market. Absolutely. And, that, and that's why I do it because I, to be honest, I don't know of another person that does uh, women's college basketball power ratings. So I, I'm one of the few, if not the only person in the space right now. Um, the hard thing with women's basketball, though, not to get on a tangent here, but the odds makers are so scared that they're going to post a bad line that like literally a game tipped off at 11 o'clock here Thursday morning. And the, the line for it didn't go up until 10 55. So like you have to really be like on the lookout for the line to pop up because they're, they're not up very long as opposed to, you know, men's get posted the night before, which makes it, you know, a little bit easier to, to bet. Well, we're not far off from this just becoming a Caitlin Clark and Paige Becker's podcast yeah. as opposed I'm, to a hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Well, maybe we can, we'll talk to Dave. We'll get, we'll get that started. Me and you will do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tyler, where can everybody find you? Yeah. Follow me on X at tissue index. Like I said, uh, I'll try to get some Browns props tweeted out uh, Friday or Saturday. So you guys have those. They just weren't available at the time we recorded. I'll uh, read all my work, all my best bets, you know, from college football, we got championship weekend, NFL, men's and women's college basketball, all that at vcin.com as well. All right, good stuff as always, Tyler. Appreciate the time. We're going to take a break when we come back. Mary Kay and Ashley will rejoin me, and we will make our picks for this game on Sunday. Talk to you later, Tyler. All right, thanks, Dan. Orange Brown Talk preview. Rams Browns continuing here. Thanks to Lance Rison. Thanks to Tyler Shoemaker. Ashley and Mary Kay are back. Let's do this. Let's make our picks. The Browns and the Rams. So earlier today, uh, when I recorded with Tyler, we're going to use this line. It was three and a half. The Rams were favored in this game. I think a lot of that has to do with the quarterback situation. Uh, as you guys know, me and Tyler talk about that a lot. Um, as always, too, these are our Thursday picks. So we'll see. We'll see what happens when this thing actually goes into print. Um, Mary Kay, do you want to go for you? were the only one that picked the uh, that picked the Broncos on this pod last week. And, of course, you got that one right. So do you want to go first here? You know what? I don't even know who I'm going to pick yet. I okay. have not even thought this through. I, 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 you know, I, I really sort of feel like the Rams are going to win this game because I feel like they're on a bit of a roll. I feel like Matthew Stafford has kind of come alive a little bit since he came back from the thumb injury. I feel like they're running the ball really, really well. I feel like the Browns are really banged up. I feel like it's a tall order to have Joe Flacco go out there. But just like it is with every single week, anything can happen. It can go either way, and these games are always so close. So I don't know how I feel about this yet. Do you? either of you guys have a strong feeling about it? I do. Actually, I'm, I'm going to trust my gut. So I can go, okay, Ashley just shook her head no. I'm going to just trust my gut on this one. I feel like the Rams are going to win the game. I'm with you on that, Mary Kay. I just think this is a bad matchup for this team. I think there's been a lot of injuries. I think at some point it has to catch up to them. And I'm not in a, like, season is over kind of way. 
Um, that's sort of what Lance, you heard Lance say too earlier when he made his pick. I don't think their season is over if they lose this game, and I don't think their season is over because of these injuries. But they are starting a 38-year-old quarterback who hasn't played since January. Like, there's got to be there's got to be some rust there. I mean, that's been the theme of this team's quarterback position going back to last year, rust, right? So there's got to be some rust there. There's got to be an adjustment to playing with him. That I think this receiving core is a really bad matchup for the Browns. You know, all the motion that, that Sean McVay uses, and he is absolutely brilliant with some of the tempo and, and things like that. I think he'll be able to exploit some of Jim Schwartz's aggressiveness. I think the Browns lose this game. I think it's, you know, it'll be close, just like every, all these games are. The total on this is 40 and a half. So I think I'll, I think I'll take the under on it. So I'm going to say that the Rams win this game. um, Let's say 21 to 17. Again, a close game. I don't think the season is over after this. I just think this team has to be a little bit tired. And I think they have to be a little bit, you know, these injuries have to be wearing on them a little bit. And I think being out here has been good for them probably, but I think they just need to get home and, you know, kind of get a chance to take a deep breath. I'm sure Kevin will give them the early part of the week off next week. I don't know for certain, but I'm sure he'll give them like Monday off and let them kind of hit the reset button at home a little bit. And then everything will be fine. I still think this team can make the playoffs, even if they lose this game, this is not a must win Mary Kay. So I'm going to take the Rams 21 to 17 in this one. All right. I stalled enough. <laughs> Somebody's got to step up. Uh, Ashley, are you ready? We can change our mind. Let's I can, that's true. I can go. We, we can change can the go. mind between when yes. this goes in print. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I honestly came in today having no clue who I was going to pick either. Um, and it is hard. You know, I know I joked about having FOMO at the beginning, but like, I feel like I don't really have a feel on this game at all yet. But what we did see in Denver to me was a team that like things are just catching up with them. I mean, I think that's just the reality. We know the offensive side um, has been sort of decimated by injuries to key guys. And I've talked about this before after that game, like worrying when it starts to hit those key defensive players and yes, like maybe miles Garrett will play. Right. And Jim Schwartz said, they'll take whatever they can get from him, whatever he can give, but he still might not be that like, defensive player of the year candidate miles garrett like he's been for most of this season so i do think that's tough and without knowing what's going on with denzel ward knowing they are throwing joe flacco out there and knowing the rams have won their last couple of games and and yeah the last win was against the cardinals (laughs) full disclosure people don't know um i do think i'm with you dan on this train of thought that it's a bad matchup and you know, them going to LA, like I, I get why they did it. Right. And I, you know, the stories that you guys had and the stuff they've done and the bonding and all that, like, I get why they've talked about it, but the reality is these guys have still been, like you said, Dan, like away from home for more than a week for like, it's going to be like 10 days by Sunday. I mean, that's a long time. That's a big ask. And I do think they might be helped the next couple of weeks that they do get to come home before they have to go back on the road on Christmas Eve to play Houston. So for me, it just makes sense for them to lose this one too, just because of how things are kind of falling, not so much in their favor with the injury bug in particular, and just the questions there. So I'm going to go similar score to Dan. I'm going to say Rams 22, Browns 18. Weird score. 
this is why I also like to go first sometimes. When you go to go first, <laughs> you get to like pick the score, so you can pick like the normal score, and everybody yeah. else has to pick like the weirdo score. Um, yeah. Okay. So Mary Kay, will this be a clean sweep in the wrong way for Browns fans? What was your score again? Twenty-one seventeen. Twenty-one seventeen. Okay. Um, you know what? My I'm going to go with what my first instinct has been this week, and I think it's in part because um, because of all the injuries that I keep seeing out there. Um, because of what we know Sean McVay is all about. And I think the way to beat the Browns is on defense, you take miles out of the game like Sean Payton did, right? I mean, not you don't take him out of the game completely. But you minimize but him. But you minimize him. And good coaches know how to do that. That was always Bill Belichick's thing. You identify the one or two players that you just have to take out of the game, and you do it. So on the offensive side of the ball, they have to take Amari Cooper out of the game. On the defensive side of the ball, they have to take miles out of the game. If they do those two things, then the Rams can win this game. Those are two keys. And then another key is, you know, the whole takeaway thing, the whole turnover thing. And the Browns, for whatever reason, they can't seem to get it right. I mean, they have lost the turnover battle on eight occasions this season, okay? Eight times they've lost the turnover battle. It's absolutely remarkable. They're living on the edge, losing the turnover battle and winning games, but it catches up to you. And um, so many things have gone their way this season. And I think, you know, they're in this little rut right now where not everything is going their way. Things, the tide has turned a little bit and, and things that, you know, the wheels have been coming off a bit. So I don't think the wheels are really all that much back on right now I, I think I have to pick the Rams I'm thinking I mean just to hear Kevin Stefanski talk about Matt Stafford playing the best ball he's seen him play right now which it seems hard to believe that but you know I, I don't know maybe he's just was blown a little bit of smoke I, there. I will say first of all I do think Matt is playing well Kevin does have a little bit of that Bill Belichick in him, too. Yeah. When he talks about the other team on Wednesday, he likes to say puffs, puffs super nice things about puffs every them. element of them. But I do think there's some legitimacy to what he was saying. Yeah, so so we'll see. And once again, you, you guys know that I, I wrote a column heading into the Broncos game about the fact that I didn't think the Browns had really been tested by very many really good quarterbacks this season. And they certainly hadn't defeated many really good quarterbacks this season. Uh, the one that they did was Lamar Jackson, really. I mean, I, you know, even though they won the game that Brock Purdy played, you know, that was because their rookie kicker missed the kick. Brock did his job, uh, you know, and took it down the field on them for the game-winning field goal attempt at the end of that game. So, you know, I think Matt Stafford is another good quarterback that they're going to be facing and he's going to find the holes. If Denzel Ward's not out there, you know, he's going to find, he's going to, he's going to find some weaknesses in that defense that he can attack. And if miles is not the miles that we have seen all season long, and he is playing with one and a half arms, then, you know, then that takes care of the best player on that side of the ball. So for some of these reasons, I am going to go with the Rams and I'm going to take a score of, let me go 23 to 20. And again, I might feel differently when we actually have to make the pick in print. So I do reserve the right to change it because I still have to study the Rams a little bit. And, you know, sometimes I find a, a key stat or a key matchup where I think, okay, this is where the game is going to turn. Uh, but right now, 
I just can't get it out of my mind that um, that I think the Rams are kind of a little bit on the upswing and the Browns are on a little bit of a downside at the moment. Okay, so there we go. A clean sweep. Uh, me and Ashley have the Rams to win and cover. Mary Kay has the Rams to win, the Browns to cover. So that's uh, that's where we're at heading into this game. Uh, we're going to see what happens. Of course, we'll have full coverage of the rest of this week in L.A. Ashley's going to be joining us very soon as well. That's at cleveland.com slash Browns. Get subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you've missed any of our coverage, uh, go back and, and listen to some of those pods. Um, become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns. The blue banner at the top of the page. And, of course, find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. Find us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk. Thanks again to Lance and Tyler. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks to all of you for listening.